This week on Good Deed Creative Chats, we speak with Roscoe Guerrero, the director of our latest Cranks pick, Muma. Roscoe tells us about his filmmaking style, his journey in the industry, and even takes us behind the making of his low-budget thriller, Muma. We hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey world, um, this is Olivia with Cranked Up Films and Good Deed Entertainment, and I'm here with Roscoe, who's our director of our latest Cranks pick, Muma. Hey, Roscoe. What up? What up? So <laughs> we have literally been plotting this for a really long time now. And there's been a lot of things going on between like a global pandemic, mm-hmm. lots of protesting, um, Black Lives Matter. Um, and we just like have continued to like push this date. But I'm really excited that we are now doing this. Yes, me too. And I mean, honestly, like given the time of everything, totally understandable, really kind of didn't feel right at certain points. And so now I think that not to diminish anything that's happening in the world, but I think it is okay to start like, you know, rolling out some entertainment and, you know, talking about things again. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm really excited that we get to kick it off with your short, Muma. Um, which I loved. I mean, like, I followed your work for a while because we, just for everyone's benefit, like, Roscoe and I have known each other. We worked in Denver together for a really long time before we both pieced out to different locations. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I think it was fun watching Muma because, like, at face value, it seems, like, so simple, right? It's just, like, one actor, camera right in his face. But, as you pull back, there's so much more revealed about the complexities of his character, of his life, of these peripheral characters, and of even like the way that you're telling this story with camera movement and all of those decisions that you made. So I really, really liked that. Um, but I guess my first question to kick it off is like, what was it like doing a one take short film? Um, that it was a challenge for sure. Um, but I think that's what kind of made it fun. You know, I initially, uh, got the first, uh, iteration of the script from Brady, who's the the lead actor. Um, and then we worked it together to cut, like you were saying, to give it a little bit more complexity, not that it wasn't there, but to kind of give a few more breadcrumbs as to what maybe a backstory might've been. Um, and let the, I mean, it's a short film, so let the audience kind of fill in some, some blanks there and stay with him. Um, but really the first thing just from like the directing side of like receiving a script, uh, that I wanted to do was, was to shoot it in one take and put the audience in there in real time with, with, uh, our character, you know, and let those things happen like it would be happening in real life. Yeah. Uh, totally. And then it's also just a challenge, you know, the initial idea, we were going to do it in, a living room and it was just going to be a camera maybe pulling back and then shooting a a couple of inserts and stuff like that and um i was hanging out with the dp sam emerson you might even know him Um, i do sam yeah yeah (laughs) and so he lives in a house with a bunch of other production people and in his backyard he has this pool and this whole setup and we're drinking beers and i was like shit we should probably shoot this here (laughs) you know it's just like so perfect um and yeah and and it just felt like it was fun it was a little bit more cinematic as well and i being able to kind of give people information at the pace and at the time i wanted to give them that information and then still making it kind of visceral and making it exciting and cinematic with camera moves that was yeah that was really the genesis of doing it as a one-er and 
really yeah. a fun challenge. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever done a one take film before or any anything? <laughs> no, actually. I've done uh, longer take music videos, but of course, yeah, yeah. when we're doing a short film for like, you know, <laughs> no money and with a bunch of people, you know, coming together, it's like, we might as well just try something crazy, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, again, I've, no, I've seen you do a lot of different things, and I think that that's, like, your calling card is, like, you're always down to, like, do something crazy, and, like, yeah, I think yeah. with every short film I've seen you make, you're always, like, what can I push myself to do new this time? Totally, totally. Yeah. Well, and the, the cool thing with the Warner is that, when you do that, every, literally every single person there on set is engaged to the max, 100%, right? Because you've got makeup people kind of like dipping in and out of like the frame to throw blood on the floor. And then like somebody holding a light behind the camera, literally jumping behind bushes as we swing around. I mean, it's a complete choreography sort of ballet. Yeah, um, yeah that is, is really stressful, especially considering that we, I wanted to get like, the sunset, you know, yeah. and, and do that at a particular time of day. And in doing that, you are very limited on time. And oh, so we're yeah. chasing light the whole time. I was gonna say, like, it's so you to be like, okay, I'm gonna do a one take short film on a low budget in my friend's backyard yeah. with like and then also I'm gonna throw in curveball. We're gonna do it at sunset when the light is dying and we only have a limited time to get right. it. Like, <laughs> I mean, there's a part of that that is like, you know, obviously doing it at sunset and having that time, it creates a mood. The lighting is nice. There's also this sort of music video director, commercial director in me that shoots literally everything at sunset, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is stressful because you get, you know, maybe three takes that are really, really perfectly lit. Uh, if that, you know, maybe two or three takes um, yeah. to, to nail it. And we did. I, we, I think we the last one, so. Yeah, you did. I love that. I mean, I remember when you were like choosing selects and you were like, like of different shots. And I remember you even sent me some like samples and you're like, which lighting do you like better? Yeah. You know what? Actually, now that you say that, um, yeah, this was a while ago. It's like a year ago. Yeah. Um, but I did actually, uh, yeah, I think we did shoot two takes, one that was really relatively dark and then one in the dark to see if that would work. Um, yes, yeah. yeah, I remember you sent me those and I was, they were both, I mean, they're both great, but it's just like about, that's what I like about you is you're always like, you're very collaborative in your decisions, but then you're also like thinking about all of the ways that, I mean, this whole different lighting setup, this whole different, take would give the whole film an a different vibe entirely right well so. and the thing that's such a risk in doing that too is like it's the true like definition of killing your darlings right yeah. because you know one is lit well and the camera works great and there's this portion of the performance that's awesome and yeah. then maybe this other part that isn't that isn't necessarily bad but maybe i like this other you know uh iteration slightly better and uh yeah that was that was really painful <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's so different from um I mean it's almost like live theater when you're doing one take it's like you have like you just said you have to go with the one that you choose it's not like editing a film where you can take parts from different takes and piece it together it's just I gotta choose the best what I think is the best one um so yeah yes, that's, that's really cool about doing that I totally agree um, you think I have enough water I know I was gonna say I see 
see you staying hella hydrated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I just noticed um, that when it just took up like half of the Zoom screen. <laughs> <laughs> so great. I mean, Russell, what I love about being able to do this live Q&A with you too is that like your personality comes across and right. you're so like vibrant and funny and just like warm, but your films are so dark and twisted. <laughs> Literally every single one is so dark. I feel like they get darker and darker too as they go on. Like what draws you to tell those kinds of stories? What inspires you? I don't know. I think I'm just, uh you know, a fan of genre. And I think that, um, you know, showing some things that are darker and uh, on that end of the spectrum is a good balance because like you're saying, I am so like lively and vibrant and uh, fun loving kind of guy um, that I think that, yeah, I think life is all about balance, you know? And so I think it, it really, for me, and just on a taste level, um, it balances things out for me. But I think, you know, you'll notice in the movie too, is that with the the last song is this big Shirelles 50 yeah. style, you know, uh, dance, you know, ballroom or like dance number. And uh, I think that is also because it, it sort of provides this catharsis from being in this totally dark uh, uh, world to then having some relief. And that yeah. being, you know, almost uh, an indication for me that, hey, look, it's just a movie, you know, like, yeah. good, I hope you, you thought something. I hope you felt something at the same time. I hope you're entertained. And this is, yeah. you know, this is entertainment. For sure. What, what struck me about that. And again, this is, I'm hoping that people go check out your other work when I say this, but like you had your other short that I showed at a festival that I ran, right. um, Bobby, which yeah. started out with that really playful cartoon and then yeah. that the characters watching and then got really dark. And then I loved like, that was almost again another calling card of yours when I saw the end of this film and you went into that snappy song. I was like, that oh. reminds me of Bobby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like that too because I, and just even when I'm watching a movie and if it ends on like a big number like that, I'm like, ooh, all right, that was fun, you know? And like, let's do it again. Yeah. Um, and I even, mean, you even, 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 did, or, you even did that with um, like the whole tension throughout the whole movie. Like you start the movie kind of quiet and then it like, drops you in with that phone ringing and then mm -hmm. music builds throughout with the tension did i think yeah. you you told me you worked with a, a composer on this film is that correct i did yeah yeah a guy named andrew scott bell um really really talented guy that one of like the first people really that i met here um was just like kind of a neighbor to the dp and uh yeah and so we worked together on this um really awesome I mean, he's like he does so much horror film stuff that he just he really just knows where to work the cues and we, we tracked it together and i think i mean we, i think we knocked it out in a session and yeah that's awesome yeah yeah that was that's a lot of fun he, and he did a lot of he even did some of the sound design and he, yeah i mean it's just given that it was a labor of love and being a short film and not really having any money you're you're working with your friends and so you're you're trying to give um everybody as much a uh, piece of it as as you can, you know, and yeah. um, and it was cool. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't even really have to give him very many notes. I mean, we worked it together. I wanted to do something more on the minimal side as opposed to having this big soaring thing behind it the whole time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was awesome. I think we're gonna be working together on all sorts of stuff. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I definitely thought there was a good energy there with 
um, the score and what you did direction wise. So, I mean, it really carries the film. I mean, again, you drop in with that phone and then you end and like with sirens and then you go to that cheerful song and you're like, what just happened to you? It's like a visceral reaction throughout. So it's very good and very Roscoe. <laughs> There's a quote from uh, Nick Costa. He's the guy that uh, made Channel Zero and all that stuff. He really, really cool writer and, and uh, showrunner. And he says in your scenes to get in late and leave early. And I think that's exactly kind of what we did here. And I just, I love that. Cause you're like, you when you get in a little bit late, you're trying to catch up and trying to figure out what's happening. And then you leave people with something to be slightly desired. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was definitely, I mean, this stands alone as a short film, but then it also does feel like it's part of a larger piece because you're like, okay, we're starting clearly after something major has happened. There's mm -hmm. and there's all this stuff that's precipitated that obviously, but then you're also ending before there's really, before you see what happens to this character and you're like, you're just dropped in and dropped out. So, um, you know, it stands alone because of all the layers that you built, but then it also could be part of something larger. And I love, me personally, I love short films like that because it allows the audience to, create their own story on both bookends. And that's the thing that's really sort of unique about just the short film format itself is that it's really the only time you can kind of do that. If you were to do that in a feature, people would be pissed off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gives people some answers. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I love about this film, you noted it earlier, that this script came to you from the actual actor who's in it. How mm -hmm. else did this, this film come together and, and how did you find these collaborators? Because you also said that it was a labor of love for everyone. Right, right. Uh, so um, Brady, Dwight, him and I had worked together on a music video at different American authors, um, maybe a year before that even. And he had reached out to me just sort of randomly on Facebook and said that he had this script that he was trying to work on and, and get this thing made. Um, and I liked it. I mean, I had all all the real meat of it was there. All the turns and like the reveals were there without any sort of camera motion, but um, the, in, in the story itself. And so then, yeah, we took that and we kind of worked on it together. And he um, came back with a couple other drafts. And um, then I linked up with Sam who I'd worked with on other projects. And he then gathered a whole other team of people that he was working on a movie with. At that time, we ended up getting uh, this guy, Kyler, who did the Steadicam the whole time, um, came out basically just to hang out for the afternoon and just <laughs> a total rock star. And uh, Nestor was um, gaffing it. And we just had a whole team of people, you know? Um, my girlfriend Bailey played the dead body in the background. <laughs> so I was waiting for you to mention that. I wanted to give her a shout out for that because that's the hardest, but also like such a nice, you just get to lay there. <laughs> Oh, I know. And there were so many little things, too, that you, you think when you're making, you lose so much, you know, on like the cutting room floor, or just in yeah. production, but you can't really tell. She actually had a, uh, like a pregnant belly on, and she's like covered, covered in blood. And there's a little bit of VFX blood back there, too, that's kind of like growing behind her. Yeah. Uh, you, okay. you can't really see her. I mean, we shot close-ups. I shot some coverage, and I think it was just more in the, in the edit, where yeah. I was like, it just, you just lose something by going to the bat. Right, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, that's what makes this film so unique is that you do that reveal and that's, it's all you see. And I honestly think it, it kind of works better by not showing close-ups because you can, yep. then the brain imagine something even more gruesome possibly, so. Absolutely, yeah, totally, totally, was, totally. 
Mm -hmm. It works, but you know, you always want to get as much coverage as possible just in case. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look, if I'm going to have a bloody body, like, you know, draining out into a pool, I'm going to shoot the close up just to have it. I mean, that's, yeah. just, that's, just, for, that's just for the personal file of bloody bodies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, don't let's uh, race that part from it. Roscoe just yeah. have a personal file of bloody Film bodies. Film bloody bodies. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. Uh, once again, I love that you say that with like a giant smirk on your face. Too funny. Um, so that, talking about that reveal of the body, there's also that moment where everything shifts. And I think that comes in when the gun is revealed for the first time. Yes. What, how did you choose in when you were filming and when you were choreographing the scene to reveal the gun at that precise moment? So, okay, so it, it is in the script. However, we, we did build to it, um, on like a visceral level with the camera right and so yeah. right before that um we're we're pushing in really slowly we're kind of you know amplifying that amplifying it there's sound design that we amplify amplify it with some music uh I, I forget exactly what the particular line is but there's just that moment we throw a sound in there and then when he comes out with it the camera starts spinning around him essentially kind of showing now that we're going to the other side of this character's psyche, right? In yeah. like a, a, a real physical way, but there's this subconscious thing that I'm trying to play with there. Awesome. Um, yeah, and then because from that point on, we're really watching him from his back. And at this point on, he's a different guy. He's not this likable character anymore. He's a guy that is either, you know, gonna do something to himself or has done something terrible, but something definitely is dark here and is no longer right. somebody just fighting with their mom. Right, yeah, exactly. I know it's so interesting to me because like I obviously watched this multiple times and right. you know, the first time you see that reveal, my reaction was, oh my gosh, like he's suicidal. Right. And then right. you're like, okay, wait, there's something more to this. Like as things go on, you have, you, you have all these misdirections until yep. the reveal at the end. But you still, again, like we've said, you still leave it open-ended and allow the audience to create their own ending to this man's yeah. story. Mm -hmm. And I just, that's, I mean, again, that's why this short film is so strong in, like I said, it, it seems simple, but then it's so mm -hmm. much more than that. Well, and that's, and that's the thing too, and you get that a lot of times when uh, you see oneers, um, you'll see it kind of done as a gimmick. And there's really no rhyme or reason to why the camera is moving other than they think it looks cool to move the camera. Whereas yeah. here, we do it on this really kind of subliminal level that maybe a lot of people don't notice and maybe you do kind of subconsciously or maybe not at all, but at least I had a reason to move it. And even when he stands up originally, we kind of do this 360 because there is now a shift in the world. Something's happening. He's stopping his mom from, from hanging up. And then when right. he sits down and we do this gun reveal and we do another sort of spin move around him, it's because something is shifting in the narrative. There's something shifting in the tone. Uh oh, am I still there? Yes, yes, I heard everything. Can you hear me? Okay, yep, I got you. Here, let me Perfect. turn my other Wi-Fi off. Um, <laughs> I feel your pain. <laughs> dude, it's crazy. It's so funny too, because like for some reason I'm in the middle of Hollywood, right? Yeah. And I'm in the one building that's like an old hotel or something like that. And it has just completely old wires and AT&T just has the absolute worst internet, which is great for somebody that needs to upload and download shit for a living. So. <laughs> I know, that's so terrible. I mean, I currently am like in, well, right now I'm in a city, but like 
the other half of my time I'm in like rural like a rural place and so I have to like hotspot for my phone most of the time it's oh god awful so I feel like pain um yeah yeah, not having wi-fi in this day age is a struggle Um, oh my god well and the thing is too I mean I spend half of my time living out of out of like cafes and coffee shops which is obviously no longer a thing and so yeah very expensive extremely expensive Yeah. expensive. <laughs> <laughs> like those coffees give you like five to seven dollars. This plate of a single egg is 15 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I got, I can't spend this kind of money for internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. I love it. Um, no, so Rafa, we talked about it a little bit, but I really want to dive in. Like you have a, a certain knack for being able to really manage these like low budget films. I mean, obviously I know everyone, every filmmaker dreams of a bigger budget, but you are very good at doing low budget films. And Mm -hmm. I just, I want to get into that. Like it's, I mean, just from a personal level, like I've been on set with you and I've been impressed by like the speed of which you, in the ease of which you like put together these like productions that then churn out this like very impressive um caliber of film like on yeah. and if people I think if people saw behind the curtain of 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 what you're doing they would be just like as impressed as I am because it's like you're scrapping things together and you're like pivoting on the spot you're like dancing through those roadblocks like how that takes a special talent you know and like I feel like how do you how do you do that how do you manage that and what advice can you give to like other filmmakers that are struggling maybe um, it, it is certainly tough. I think it's a, a lot of it really, you know, it might sound kind of cliche, but a lot of it does come from just being passionate about it and just that this being not only my favorite thing to do just in life, but also it's a job. And so yeah. then you know, there's a kind you know, there's a total blend in like what entertainment and work is. Um, just right. like, just honestly, just truly, truly just unadulterated passion. Um, did have some help on this one uh a little bit of like from an executive producer that kind of came on a little bit later in the game a guy named awesome. Trey Triplett, um that that sort of helped kind of ease something so we could at least give some people some money and yeah. even, even when you're not like paying somebody say a full rate but you're at least giving them money just out of principle like hey you are coming out and you're giving us your afternoon um you know we'll feed you we'll give you a couple of bucks that, that helps to get people um, to be a part of it. But I think it's really just having a group of people together that are really, really passionate about making stuff. And I think that yeah. that helps um, to to put these sort of scrappy things together. Otherwise, they wouldn't work, you know? And it, wouldn't, it also wouldn't work if it was completely self-serving. So it's like, if this was just a thing for me to, you know, put out there for myself, then what would be the point, you know, and what would uh, anybody else want to be a part of that for? Um, but yeah, so giving like, you know, for instance, for Sam, uh, him DPing that when he hadn't been DPing a lot of stuff was really good. It was really good for him to like, at least put his uh, foot forward. Um, and then for, you know, Brady to be starring in this thing and as a writer, and then uh, for me to have a short, and just, uh, just a lot of, you know, a lot of things like that. Um, yeah. So I guess if I were to give a bit of advice to anybody, it would be to just be passionate. You know, I mean, if you're not passionate, I don't think it's worth making unless you're, it's your job, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah, which is, 
Even then, yeah. the industry is oversaturated. If you're not passionate, get out. There's a lot of other people that are fucking dying to do whatever music video that you don't want to do, you know, yeah. <laughs> or commercial or industrial or whatever. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just, it's just keeping that passion, finding what makes you passionate, you know, even within the space or genre or types of characters or, or types of messages, especially right now uh, for diverse voices. I think there's a real big um, gap and in, in an in a, a area that we could, you know, there's room for, for people to, to blossom, I think. Yeah. Absolutely. We definitely need like diverse voices. We need their stories. Um, I yeah. think all the time. So um, I'm glad that you noted that because there definitely is, even though there's an oversaturation of people, there's also still room there. And I think that that's a good positive thing to note. Oh, um, oh. And I know Roscoe, I know, and you said it too on this, on this um, chat, but like you also, you kind of got your start and still make your like real bread from uh, commercials and like music videos yep. and I think that that's a unique background to then come from and make narrative films but then I know again I know your work so I know how the two kind of feed into each right. other <laughs> like describe your background as as a director coming from those things and how that maybe plays into mm -hmm. your approach to narrative filmmaking as well so I've, I've always had the intention of making films right but at the same time you know i was working in the bar and doing all this stuff um i i just it was just taking a lot of my time and i was able to find luckily find my way through music doing kind of like tour documentaries and and uh recap videos for festivals and stuff and that was just sort of a natural progression into music videos and they happen to give you a little bit of money not really very barely a living wage right like this is a like just like my head is this far above the water but <laughs> but that being said it gives you an opportunity where you can kind of make shorts that other people pay for and also pay yourself and kind of hone that craft so i'm not really doing a lot of like the booty shake music videos or pure performance music videos a lot of them have these sort of storylines and so i'm playing with you know, uh, uh, kind of generating emotion and figuring out how to like earn moments, you know, even if it is a three or four or five minute video, you're still setting something up. It has, a, it has an act structure, you know, so you're setting something right. up, get somewhere and then you're earning a final moment there at the end. Right. And so then translating that into a bigger format or a narrative format, just kind of a natural progression, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that is totally where I still work and, you know, I'm doing, uh, just pitching on a bunch of stuff right now as the world is coming back into fruition. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how like, you know, doing COVID safe music videos and commercials will be. I mean, I, ha I have yeah. to, if I, if I do land this thing, I'm doing, uh, I'd be, you know, Zoom directing somebody in Nashville. So having a crew out there and I'll be on That's a computer. So interesting. Yeah. That'll yeah. Be, we'll have to circle back and talk to you after. Hopefully you get it. And then we'll circle back and talk yeah. to you about that because I'm very curious how um, I've had a, a few friends that have done that. And I'm just curious to talk to all you guys about that experience because that's 100% like a new thing. And it's fascinating to me to be directing. Yeah. I, and I've been trying to wrap my head around it. And I, I guess it kind of makes sense where I, I would just be watching them do the scene. I can't really see what's in the monitor with the exception <laughs> of him putting the thing up. Yeah. So 
I'm just like, oh, hopefully it looks good. And then yeah. I, can, I get the direction on the performance, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so. definitely going to be a challenge of like, I mean, a director's role is so heavily communication. So it's, and like totally. vision. So it's like, that'll be a test of like, can you, can you communicate strongly to get your vision across? Like that'll well, be the ultimate test. <laughs> and energy, energy is such another thing that I, I find like, especially on like on my sets and that is going to be a real challenge when, because I like, if I'm seeing something, especially in a music video, I get excited. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. And that's going to be really hard when I'm just a little screen in the corner, like, <laughs> you know. by yourself. I love it. Like, yeah, turn my volume up. Yeah, you're going to have to figure something like a foghorn or something. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, you do have a lot of energy on set. That's, that's what I love. No, I mean, one of my, um, what I do like about the other projects you've done, commercials and music videos, is I think that you're right. You do use them as a space to have somebody pay for a short film because, right. um, like, I, I'm just thinking about some examples and, like, one of the ones that I really liked is uh, the American Authors one where they're on the road trip and you actually were able to incorporate a scene that was sort of a live performance by having them do like a karaoke in a bar. Mm -hmm. And I just love that like you're, you're lending to both worlds. Like so many bands want this live performance aspect in their video mm -hmm. and that's kind of like, it's kind of, it's done so much. And then you found a right. fresh way to do it while also weaving it into this larger story about these characters, these people. Um, right. It, it's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and that was, yeah, very specifically wanted that to be a part of this narrative and the, of this universe that we had created. And I, I thought it would just be such uh, a disservice to the video if we then cut out to them in front of you know a bunch of lights in the studio yeah. and saying you know i mean not that there's anything wrong with that in other yeah. videos but just didn't feel like the vibe of this kind of vintage road trip uh right. americana thing right and then another um video you did and we were again we were talking about diversity of voices diversity of characters all that you did another one and i think it was also for american authors where um and correct me if i'm getting this wrong because i'm going off of memory but it's the one with the two soldiers yeah, and, and oh. one I believe that one I believe is, did he come that out. That was for brick and mortar. For brick, that was the brick band and brick and mortar. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. Um. So brick and mortar video, and and correct me if I'm wrong. One of them co comes out is gay. Yeah. And then another yeah. one defends him or something. I don't remember yeah. the whole context, but you did have. I mean, I thought that was such an interesting way to present that, like those characters, that story, gain mm -hmm. empathy all in a music video. Right. I mean, speak to that a little bit. That, yeah, that was a real challenge. Um, it, we did want to say something, right? And that, that, they, that band is just so inspiring. They have such inspiring lyrics. And at the time they were doing something in New Jersey or they were on the road, so they couldn't really be in the video. So it had to be fully narrative or fully something. Um, and yeah, for, for uh, whatever reason, that was the concept that came to me at the time. And that is, that was really challenging because it is, you know, this, uh, like homosexual couple that, you know, one of them is a soldier and, um, then getting them to this bar scene and having this bar fight and having him stick up for this other guy, uh, that, you know, it is a real challenge. It is a real challenge to earn that final moment and to do it in the time that you're given, because, you know, in a, in a short if it's 
five minutes and 30 seconds or whatever, you're fine. You know, oh, if we need to push this another 15 seconds, you're fine. But in a music video, when the song's over, you're done. You know what yeah. I mean? You can't just keep it going. And so it becomes, I mean, that is the ultimate killing of your darlings because you've got this whole sequence strung out together and it's perfect and these big pregnant moments and holding a shot of him looking at, him, you know, with like, this emotion in his eyes and a reaction and then it's like oh fuck i only have time for like a punch and none of that stuff you know it's like oh man so you you lose a lie you, you almost want to release like a director's cut of it with a, a longer <laughs> version of the song but yeah uh, i learned a lot you know I, I learned a lot from stuff like that and, and that's i think that's why i've now really gravitated into uh making films especially even on like a longer level but yeah. You, you get to own it. You get to really control how long that is and, and, and earn that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think um, the way you've described your journey as a filmmaker so far is, is very interesting. I think that there are a lot of people, like you said, that come into filmmaking, wanting to do narrative and to make a living, do other things. And mm -hmm. I love that you were able to still express yourself as a filmmaker, show your voice, talk about the the topics that you want to talk about and within those spaces you found a, a niche for that but then there's also people who have had the experience like I mean you even kind of said this too where you're like I was I, I was doing tour videos and all this yeah. like there's there's a path that has gotten you to this moment everyone's path is different but yeah I mean I, you kind of touch on your journey as a filmmaker but in your own words again summing it up how would you how would you describe it you know I mean I think it's it's such a different world now than it was at the time when I kind of got started, right? Because I didn't yeah. go to school for this stuff, right? I kind of fell into it and I found myself doing videos for friends and I was in the music industry already a little bit um, as a promoter. And so I just kind of found my little way there. And I, I just knew that I, I always had this kind of like undying love for uh, film and for story. My dad's a writer too. So there, there was something in me that I always wanted to be expressed. I just didn't really figure it out until I was like 26 or something like that, 27. Um, but, you know, at that time, you know, I was just figuring shit out on like a DSLR, like a Rebel T2i camera and just like shooting, you know, the whole DSLR thing. Whereas now, you know, I mean, kids are shooting on Reds and Alexas in school when they're like 18 years old. You know, know I'm like, like so jealous. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, some of the shit that's coming out, I mean, I'll be, I'm bidding on music videos and stuff against like 19 year old kids. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> you yeah. know? I know. Uh, like no stakes for them at 19. <laughs> they're like, I'm just going to throw everything in the kitchen sink against the wall. <laughs> I'm like, you know, sometimes trying to play my cards a little bit too safe. So, but it, yeah. it's, it's, it's good. It's humbling. It's freeing too. Um, but yeah. So what, what was I saying again? You were just talking about your journey as a filmmaker. Oh, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, just from going from the DSLR world to then even literally when Reds were like introduced um, and starting to shoot on those and doing music videos and taking that into commercials to finally getting out to LA, you know, that yeah. was just a massive uh, milestone. Um, not that there was anything wrong with doing stuff in Denver, but I think that just kind of being here, just like just like being in music videos and commercials in general is like an immersion thing, you know? And so just having my day job be immersed in, you know, creating and cameras yeah. and storytelling and storyboards and scripts and all that stuff, 
uh, just being then taking that to the ump level and coming out to LA yeah. where literally everybody here is working in the in, in industry in some, in some sort of facet or not. Um, I think has, that has helped a lot. And, uh, and yeah. And so now, um, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of working in music videos and commercials, bigger, you know, bigger budgets and, and, and bigger projects that, um, are able to sort of sustain my life in a little bit more of a stable way than it was before when I was literally scrapping stuff for 500 bucks. You know what I mean? Um, so now there's a little bit more, yeah. Right. So there's a little bit more stability, you know, and I, I, got my place, got my apartment. And, uh, and now I think, you know, I'm really in that position where, um, you know, making films like legit is the, is the step. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. What is the next step? What is, I mean, you've gotten to LA, you're doing all this great stuff. I know, I know you're cooking up stuff. So what's next for you, Roscoe? So, um, a big part of just being here is, you know, that, ungodly word networking but just like really just meeting people and getting you know every like I said everybody's got some sort of uh, a foot in something and you know I've been writing for years and years and years and years and years and I got a feature script um that called paradise that's a supernatural thriller um parallel storyline thing that I've been just kind of just working and working and working and working, finally getting it um, into different coverage services. And it's coming back with really good scores and getting recommends and stuff like that, which is, you know, kind of coveted in that world. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so now I'm just getting that uh, ball rolling, like starting to talk to managers and producers and trying to get financing and that whole world of making an indie film. <laughs> yeah, I know it's a big world, but I mean, I do just from knowing you personally and I, like full disclosure, like I've, I've read Paradise and like mm -hmm. I, and this is all just Olivia Carvel speaking. I love it. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I think what I know about you is that you're always grinding. You're always hustling. You're always teaching yourself new skills and like challenging yourself to do the, the next thing. So right. I love that about you. Um, that's why I personally was like, we gotta get Roscoe on a, on Craig's pick. We gotta get yeah, him on because I just know you. It would be a great conversation um, with you. And, on yeah. that on that uh, note, <laughs> what I am doing like right now, very actively, is in the meantime of doing this whole fucking paradise thing and getting that all built up. Yeah. Uh, during quarantine, I ended up writing another thing, a tiny little contained thriller that we are 100% going to make as a little micro feature just to do something, like within oh the next God. couple of months. Yeah, and just what? shoot it, self-fund it. Honestly, do it. I'm not, I won't say how much, but like do it for a very, very small amount yeah. of, of money. And, uh, and yeah, and see how it goes. And if it, awesome. you know. Wait, so you said a micro feature. So a micro feature. feature, yeah. Something, what? It's a feature. A oh yeah, oh yeah, it's a feature. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. And you're uh -huh. just gonna do that as typical old scrappy Roscoe and his friends. Exactly, super scrappy. The the mama uh, formula, and it's you know five characters, one location takes place in one night. Shoot it over five days and make a movie. Honestly, nice. that's like really the step right now. I've been I've been waiting for you to tell me that you're gonna do that, and so I'm really excited to hear that. That's yeah um that's amazing i'm really excited for all the things you're doing love that you're spending quarantine still grinding away <laughs> oh yeah
I mean, yeah. what else are you going to do? You know, I mean, I, I sometimes I almost felt a little bit guilty because, you know, like for my girlfriend or other people around that were really pulling their ha- hair out without anything to do, completely stuck at home. You know, when you're a writer and you know this, is that you can do that anytime. You know, yeah. you, can, you can literally always have something to do. So Yeah, I know. And it's almost like, it, it's almost beautiful because even when you're in like, you know, four walls, you're in, mm-hmm. you can take yourself to other worlds because yeah. of everything that's in your head. And you're just like, right. I mean, I can sit and like stare at a wall for literally hours because I'm just thinking about all of these different like scenarios. <laughs> the, characters are in. the definition of escapism, right? That's what we're doing is like, we're letting our own minds escape and then hopefully letting in a, an audience, you know, feel that as well. Yeah, I love it. It's, I mean, I, I love knowing that that is what you're doing with your time in quarantine, Roscoe, is that you're sitting and creating worlds and characters. Um, and I'm really <laughs> yeah. excited to see those characters on screen sometime soon. Yes, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> well, Roscoe, I have loved chatting with you. I mean, I know we do it in our free time anyway, but I've loved yeah. to show it, you know, putting this on the cranked up and good dude channel and letting people in on this conversation. I, I just, I think you have a lot to say as a filmmaker and I'm, I'm glad we could have you. Well, I'm, I really appreciate it. I love cranked up. Honestly, I, I have nightmare cinema posters on my wall over here from before you even worked there. I went to go <laughs> see it at this little tiny theater here in Hollywood and got all the stuff. So yeah, yeah. That, that's so cool that you <laughs> are there and uh, the uh, universe is cool. Yeah, it is. The universe is very cool, especially in this industry. It's a small world, but um, I I love it that way. Uh (laughs) Awesome. Well, I will talk to you very soon, my friend. Thank you again. Um, And everyone that's watching this, please check out Roscoe's work. Um, Roscoe, where can we find you? Uh, I'll I'll, I'll post a link to uh, my Vimeo channel and uh, my Instagram and stuff like that. You can find everything there. Awesome. Thank you again, Rafael. It was great to see you. Thank you. <laughs> Later. <laughs> If you enjoyed our conversation with Roscoe, be sure to follow him on Instagram at R-O-S-C-O-R-G. We'll be back in a few weeks with another Crank's Pick Director's Podcast. See you then.